Hi, it's Michael. Vaping Weekly is a user-supported show. We depend on the generosity of our readers and listeners to support our production efforts. You can donate one time or offer a recurring monthly gift to help continue our groundbreaking journalism and reporting on vaping, snus, nicotine, and the vertical tobacco harm reduction. To donate, please visit www.anchor.fm slash vaping-post in your web browser, or you can click the link in the episode description. Thank you for helping us make this show for vapors by vapors. Following podcast is for adults over the age of 18 years or 21 years based on geography. Listener discretion is advised. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Michael McGrady, your host, and I'm the public policy columnist for the English edition of VapingPost.com. This is Vaping Weekly Update, and here's the news that vapers, shop owners, and activists need to know for this week, published on Wednesday, December 18th, 2019. To begin, let's return to Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. The U.S. Senate confirmed Stephen Hahn as the next commissioner of the Food and Drug Administration. Hahn replaces interim FDA Chief Norman Sharpless and resumes partial control of the federal government's national response to the Ivali lung injury epidemic. Hahn enjoyed bipartisan support with a vote of 72 to 18. Nearby, the state of Massachusetts has also lifted its ban on vapor products under a series of new rules. After the administration of Republican State Governor Charlie Baker temporarily banned vapor products as a response to the Ivali lung injury epidemic and underage uptake, the ban is now lifted accompanying a new law that places a 75% excise tax on all nicotine vaping products and requires the state's health insurers to cover tobacco cessation counseling. There are several new developments coming from the medical and public health spaces, too. A study published in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine, published by the University of California, San Francisco, found that while e-cigarettes might be safer than cigarettes, there are still risks associated with chronic lung diseases. Stanton Glantz, the controversial tobacco control activist and academic, led the study, concluding that out of 32,000 people, 30% were more likely to develop an injury like asthma or emphysema through vaping. People who vape are 1.3 times more likely to face diagnosis than non-vapers. However, it should be noted that the study found that smokers were worse off than people who vaped. Quote, although switching from combustible tobacco, including cigarettes, to e-cigarettes theoretically could reduce the risk of developing respiratory disease, Current evidence indicates a high prevalence of dual use, which is associated with increased risk beyond combustible tobacco use. In addition, for most smokers, using an e-cigarette is associated with lower odds of successfully quitting smoking, reads the study. Glantz told the news media that while his findings show reduced risk, e-cigarettes should not be recommended for smoking cessation. One of the flaws of this study also highlights a measurement of dated products. The time frame of this study took place during 2013 and 2016. That means new product innovations were not accounted for. In other public health news, experts from the Ohio State University 
New York University, Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, and Columbia University, also in New York City, recently published commentary in the academic journal Science calling for researchers, policymakers, and activists to draw back on the scaremongering related to vaping. David Abrams, the world-renowned South African behavioral scientist at NYU's College of Global Public Health, was a part of this authorship. Quote, the most harmful products on the nicotine harm continuum, combustible products, should be much more aggressively and stringently regulated than less harmful non-combusted nicotine products. Policies that fail to differentiate will fail public health. Close quote Abrams et al. said. international news, Thailand was hit with its first case of the Ivali lung injury earlier this month. Public health authorities are responding accordingly, including a medical investigation that emulates the one led by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in the United States. Also, South Korean military officials also ban the use of vaping products on their military installations. Vaping Post reported that the ban comes after the series of vaping links lung injuries diagnosed in the United States. North in Canada, the bug to ban e-cigarettes has hit several provinces across the country. Nova Scotia announced a ban on flavored e-cigarettes effective April 1, 2020. The ban covers flavored vapor products that contain nicotine, THC, and CBD. Elsewhere, Ontario's health ministry also moved to ban the promotion and advertisement of vaping products in gas stations, bodegas, and convenience stores. According to data from the Canadian Fuels Association, there are 11,929 retail gasoline stations in Canada, or 3.2 per 10,000 Canadians. As you can see, this will have a massive impact. Let's take a short break. We will resume with our special report on consumer innovations after these messages. It's the season of giving. Since Vaping Weekly is a user-supported show, we invite you all to donate to help us keep the show going. Please visit the link in the description to learn more. Meanwhile, let's get back to the show. Happy holidays, and have a happy new year from our family to yours. Now, back to the news. I, I personally believe that... I mean, it's basically all consumer innovation. It's one of the most capitalist American industries that I've been in and that I've seen. It's, you know, the consumers basically have driven this entire market all the way through. And it stems from this homegrown sort of attitude. And, you know, anyone who gets into the industry most likely started out, whether they were tinkering at home on their own mods or they're making their own e-liquids at home. That's kind of how it goes. And the trends of the consumers sort of dictates how that gets transferred over into the commercial aspect of it. For the most part in the craft vaping scene, obviously there's a few different sectors. When I think of, when I think of innovation and I think of consumer empowerment, it's mainly all in like the craft open source, open system uh, vaping sector of the industry. That was Wayne Walker, the CEO of Walker Vapor Group and the host of DIY or Die, 
the popular YouTube channel, and the podcast of a similar name. Walter spoke to me about the innovations of consumers and the verticals of vaping and snus. As governments around the world continue to regulate e-cigarettes, there seems to be a systemic misunderstanding about vapor culture and how influential consumer input is to develop the technology platforms and mods and other open system vaporizers. Jewel Labs revolutionized the vaping segment in the United States with its release of the simplistic Jewel device. However, this delivery system is designed as a very restrictive and niche-focused product. DIY, at least, opens up a world of new and bright ideas. Wayne and I discussed more the introduction of consumer innovations for nicotine delivery and how they should be a welcomed development. Many of our listeners and readers likely are involved with craft vapor or DIY products in some capacity, whether it's as a consumer or or as a manufacturer. So it's important to remember that innovation can occur in ways that you wouldn't even expect. Wayne also said that he is prepared for the future. DIY should be respected and involved now more than ever. An MBA candidate at Harvard's Technology and Operations Management Program took this concept to heart. While I'm honestly unaware of the author's name, the perspective focuses on opening up a device like Jewel as an open source platform. If you consider how systems have developed since the days of internet fora and homemade coils, an open platform for any vaporized device, no matter how popular or if it's an open or a closed system, should be an interesting concept for manufacturers that can allow consumers to participate in their own DIY or to modify their own user-preferred nicotine delivery system. This paper also expands on a concept called open innovation. Open innovation is a theory of distributed innovation processes based on purposefully managed knowledge flows across organizational boundaries using pecuniary and non-pecuniary mechanisms in line with the organization's business model. In English, this, this simply means that products should be open. When it involves consumer immersion, this theory touches on the consumer involvement at the end of a product's development cycle, but the inclusion of consumer input overall allows the product and its manufacturer to develop designs that respond to the needs of users. For example, an open Jewel platform could foster this. However, in the meantime, DIY mixing and home design systems likely exist to further revolutionize the project category. Snus is also another vertical where consumer immersion and open innovation can take place. For example, in an effort to reduce the stinging sensation and reduce the challenge of use for nicotine-sensitive individuals, steam-free portions were developed by Ben Vieberg of B.O. Vieberg Solutions AB in Sweden. For matters of transparency, Ben's and I are good friends. The patent enforcing the steam-free innovation indicates that innovation is merely a protective fence Seriously, just a protective fence that reduces the stinging sensation and irritation to the snus user's gum and oral mucous membranes. 
though Bet will be included in a future episode of Vaping Weekly. I was majorly interested in another product innovation called Surge. Known as the Surge Can Accessory, this product was developed to protect the freshness of snooze portions with specifically designed cans. The founders state that the can came as a change to the generic plastic products that often come with other brands of snooze, nickel pods, snuff, and scruff. However, these cans also address the concerns for water resistance and keeping a user's portions fresh. Sherelle Slater, one of the founders of Surge, spoke with me about the design of its function. Um, so although we did like some of the other cans, uh, me and my partner and um, one of, another gentleman who sort of we had discussions on, and I know they you know enjoy snooze as well. Um, so we'd, we'd gone through like different ideas and I decided that I wanted a can that was a little bit different to what ev- everyone else was selling. Something, you know, it would have a few more portions in, um, so a bit more space. It was quirky. It had that fl- familiarity of, you know, everyday carry, which you, you normal you know your normal can has so it's you know people know how to use it so ease of use basically Um, but we just wanted it to be a little bit different in the sense that you could change all the compartments and so everything is interchangeable on every design of the the surge can so each lid can can be taken off and we have added accessories such as the surge divider Um, you know we you can collect all the designs, mix and match, but making it a bit more personal, which our customers have really enjoyed. And as demonstrated here, it should be no surprise that snooze and vapes share common ground when it comes to consumer immersion and consumer development. Truly, both verticals are driven by consumers, and that is critical for the future development of risk-reduced tobacco harm reduction products. And that's the news. Please stay tuned for our next Vaping Weekly update and our upcoming unfiltered interview with Meriwick Glover the director of the Center of Research Excellence for Indigenous Sovereignty in Smoking, located in Auckland, New Zealand. We want to thank you again for listening. If you haven't already, check out my latest interview with David Gorlitz, the Winston Man, in our first episode of Vaping Weekly Unfiltered. You can listen to Vaping Weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just click search, type in Vaping Weekly, and click subscribe. Vaping Weekly is created and hosted by Michael McGrady. The editorial team for VapingPost.com also produces this show. Sound design and recording of this podcast are done at Perihelion Creations in Monument, Colorado. Vaping Weekly is presented by Anchor.fm. We are independent of big tobacco.